morning. I don't know what brought you out. I don't know if you're just here visiting, passing through for the season, or you're looking for a church home, or you got a special invite. Whatever the case is, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And we're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of your pew, you'll find a visitor's card. Please take that out. Fill it out. You can pass that card to me. We've got a box in the foyer. You can pass that card to one of our shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can write you a note and say thank you for being with us and invite you back out to our church um, at our next gathering. Um, I want to, uh, first of all, continue on and tell you that uh, we're excited to continue on in this season of, of attitude. So, season of attitude. Season of gratitude. We don't want the attitude. <laughs> For some of y'all, it is a season of Adonis. But we're, we're continuing on in our sermon series entitled The Attitude of Gratitude. And, uh, and we're talking about a couple of principles that we need to keep in mind during the season because this season can be a tough time. Uh, in week one, part one of our, our sermon series, we talked about why it's important to give thanks. And we said that uh, thankfulness acknowledges that God is our provider. Thankfulness prevents a complaining spirit Thankfulness creates a positive outlook on life, and thankfulness invites you to join God with joy in your hearts. So that was week one. Week two, uh, which was last week, Aaron uh, presented us with an excellent lesson on sacrifice. And Aaron, uh, thank you for filling in for me uh, last Sunday. And I want to make that clear and say that one more time. Thank you for filling in for me (laughs) last Sunday. Aaron's becoming a better and better preacher, isn't he? Amen. But I want to make it clear, this is my job. You can't. (laughs) But uh, keep up the good work, brother. We're so inspired and greatly appreciative. Uh, And Aaron last week talked about uh, living a life of sacrifice and how as Christians we can show forth our gratitude towards God through a life of sacrifice And today in part three, I wanted to spend some time talking about how we can become or learn to become thankful in tough times. Because if you live long enough, you'll know you'll experience some difficult times from time to time. And we've got to learn in those seasons to continue to be thankful regardless. So I found a a can in my garage the other day. And on the back of the can, it said, warning, contents under pressure. Um, So I looked at that and I said, you know what, this is an interesting label because I think this label can be put on a lot of people from time to time, especially living down in this region. Say amen if you can, right? Yeah, um, a lot of people are under pressure and under stress and you've got to be careful around them because at a moment's notice they can explode, can't they? Um, There's a well-known stress uh, study called the Holmes Stress Scale, in which it lists the 100 most stressful events you can have in life. Like, uh, number one was the death of a spouse. That's, that's very difficult. Number two would be divorce. Number three, the death of a loved one, etc., and etc. On that scale, after much study, they discovered that the single most stressful time of the year is the period between Thanksgiving and New Year's, which I thought was pretty interesting. Some of you guys can say amen to that as well. Uh, You start to worry about finances and presents. You start to worry about party and travel plans. You try uh, start to worry about all the problems that that could happen. And 
Some of you even worry about the relatives that you're going to have to see during those times. You know, the stress level goes up significantly, significantly during the holidays. And, and I heard a preacher say one time, tis the season to be uptight. And, and I would have to agree with that, that notion. So the question, and I'm just poking fun for a moment, is, is how can we learn to be thankful in, in difficult and in, in tough times? So this morning, I want to spend some time fleshing that out. Because I think if we can learn that, we'll be well on our way to really living an entire life of gratitude and always keeping in our mind the attitude of gratitude. If you can learn this discipline, you can be very victorious and powerful in the midst of difficulty. So I want to look at our very first text this morning. It's found in Philippians. We use this text often, and I've read it before, and we, we, we know this one well, but I, I want to flesh this out just a little bit this morning and talk about how this text can help us in seasons of difficulties and trials, which as I look across the auditorium this morning, I'm sure many of you here this morning might be in a season of difficulty right now. And I don't think it's by chance that you're here this morning. I think that God wanted you here this morning, and I think that he has a message for you right now. God's speaking to you right now through this text, so pay attention, and I hope and pray that this text and this sermon will benefit your life. It says here, Philippians 4, May you always be joyful in your union with the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Show a gentle attitude toward everyone. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, ask God for what you need, always asking him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. And this is the good news translation. May say it a little different in your Bibles, but I really want to just think about this text for a moment this morning. Don't worry about anything. That's easier said than done, isn't it? When you read this text, you say, it's, it's pretty simple. The Bible tells me not to worry about anything, but how many of us worry and worry often? That's just what we do. Have you ever been so anxious that you can't sleep at night? Yeah, I've been there. You pray and you study your Bible. You even exercise, right? And you eat well, but nothing seems to work. That anxiety is still there. And you're saying to yourself, I'm doing everything that I know to do, but for some reason it just won't go away. You remind yourself of this text over and over and again, but your, your body and your mind decide to do something else. And it can be very difficult. So when we read this text, we become a little jaded because it says don't worry, but that's oftentimes what we do always. We just worry and we're anxious and we're stressed out and we try and try and try, but it just seems to always be with us. So this morning, I want to help you out with this worry uh, problem just a little bit that all of us struggle with, that I struggle with. Here's some statistics about worry. So if you're writing some things down, this might be interesting for you. Did you not know that 40% of your worries never happen? Did you know that? 40%. So there's 40 of them that you don't even have to worry about. So on your list of 10 worries, pick out four and throw them out because they don't even count. It's amazing to think about. 40%? Don't, don't worry about that. 30% of your worries concern the past. Uh-oh. Say amen if you can. <laughs> 
Worry cannot change the past, and worry cannot control the future. And that's the difficult thing about worry. All worry does is mess up your day to day. You can worry about the past all you want, but it's not going to change. The past is the past. It's over. It's dead. And there's nothing you can do about it. And all this worry is not going to control the future, no matter how much you worry about. Again, all worry does is mess you up in the moment and steals your joy right now. You can't control the past. You can't control the future. And 40% of your worries aren't even going to happen. So guess what? 70% of your worries are, are worthless. 70% of what you're worrying about is worthless. Then they say 12% of your worries are needless health concerns. Wait a minute. You know what a hypochondriac is? I had to look that up. I didn't know what that, that was. So, um, yeah, we have some people like that. They're always worried when something happens to someone else, it, it's going to happen to them. And I think I might be a hypochondriac just a little bit. So my mom, my, my dear mother, my sweet mother, had a hip replacement surgery when she was 40 years old. Very, very young for a hip replacement surgery, right? And they said the, the ligament and whatever else is in there was rubbing and it wore down. And, and so now, whenever I feel a twinge in my hip, I go, uh-oh. <laughs> Lord, take me in. I'm going to have to go get this hip replacement done. And I'm so bad that whenever I get up from the couch and I go, oh, oh, it's, it's the hip, it's the hip. So, you know, I went to the doctor one time and I said, doctor, I think I'm going to need hip replacement surgery. And he looked, he said, there is nothing wrong with your hip. And I said, doc, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. But we have some people like that. They're always worried, right? They're always concerned about health issues when, when there's nothing, nothing wrong with you, nothing's going to happen, everything is oh, okay. So that leaves us with... Uh, 10%, right? So 10% of your worries are insignificant and, and petty issues that you have no business worrying about in the first place. And that leaves us then, as we think about this whole cycle, with, with the 8% that are actually legitimate concerns. And I want to say this about the 8% of your worry. Don't let the 8% of your worry ruin your entire day, right? You should tell yourself, I'm not going to worry about this right now and push it aside for a moment, right? And maybe find a time during the day when you can worry about it. But right now, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm too busy. I'm at work. I've got to take care of the kids. I have stuff to do. I can't let this worry drag me down. So tell yourself, I'm not going to worry about this right now. Remind yourself that worry doesn't change anything. And God leaves us with the text to really help us with this concept. And it's found in this next slide, Matthew chapter 6. Verses 33 and 34, it says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, right? <laughs> Very simple, powerful text. So as a chaplain in the army, I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of soldiers that struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder. You know what that is, right? They go down range and they're in war and they come back and they just can't adjust. Something happened to them and now they're all messed up. So I have a good buddy of mine. When I went out, and thank you for letting me travel back east last week. I was out back east last week and I got to talk to a couple of buddies of mine that I served in the military with. They were overseas in war and came back and I look at them now and they looked perfectly fine, like nothing ever happened. And I was asking one of my friends, I said, George, now, 
You went overseas. You were an infantry soldier. You carried your weapon. You did and saw some things. How is it that you're okay? He said, you know, I do have PTSD a little bit, but I don't let that overtake my life. And I said, well, how do you do that? He said, I just take one day at a time. So, so this, this issue that, that I struggle with, I'm not going to let it take over my life. I'm going to take one day at a time. And then he said, sometimes, sometimes if I can't take it a day at a time, I'll take it an hour at a time. One step at a time. And if you've ever met someone who has struggled with addiction or maybe have been a part of the, the Alcohol Anonymous group, you know what they always tell you in those, those systems, in those programs, the way I keep my sobriety is by taking one day at a time. You see, when we let worry dominate our thinking, we're thinking about tomorrow, we're thinking about the past, we're thinking about, but the Bible tells us something very simple here. Just take one day at a time. And guess what? Whatever you're going through this morning, I don't know who's struggling with what this morning, just get through today. Just get through this hour right now and put that aside. And God will take care of you and bless you. Let's continue on. What else do we need to do to keep us... Uh, with an attitude of gratitude in the season of difficulty. Well, we've got to learn to pray about everything. Let's go to this next slide. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says here, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want to say this. Either you should choose to pray or choose to worry, but don't do both at the same time. Amen. That, that doesn't help. Make up your mind. You say either I'm going to pray about this and give it to God or I'm going to worry about it. But I know some people that do both. They pray about it and worry about it at the same time. That helps nothing. And the Bible tells us in Various passages throughout Scripture. Whenever we're in tough times or difficult times, we've got to learn to lift up our prayers to the Lord. And in a translation in the Bible puts it this way, we should offer up petitions. And if you ever thought about what a petition was, what does that word mean? What does a petition even mean? A petition means a specific, detailed, direct prayer. Specific, detailed, and direct most people pray just in a really vague way, and they never get any answers. They pray in a general way, like God doesn't care to know the numbers of hairs on your head. That's how detailed he is. And with me, it's not that many, but that's all right. We're getting there. But God wants you to be specific because he's specific. And we should learn to unload our problems on him instead of worrying about it. Prayer is a tremendous release Vow. People ask me all the time, well, Jason, how do you deal with stress? You got a lot of stuff going on. You, you're, you, you serve in a lot of ways. You have some difficulties and hardships. I say, I just turn it over to the Lord. I let him handle it for me. I release it to God. And I love the Greek word for unload. The Greek word for unload literally means to just let it drop. <laughs> let it drop. It doesn't mean try to pick it up and toss it and throw it away or hoist it. But it means just let it drop out of your hands. Let it go. And when you pray and you give your problems to the Lord, that's what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, I can't even handle this anymore. I'm going to drop this and let you handle it. And he says that 
God can handle your, your worries. Dump them on him. Unload them on him. Learn to unload your stress through prayer. Paul says, unload them. Give God every detail of your life. And Peter says, unload all your worries and anxieties on him since he's looking after you. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this idea. It's found in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, verses 5 through 7. In order to get through difficult times, we've got to learn to have the right frame of thinking. Right? So it says this. Will, and this is King James, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For, and this is verse 7, what I really want you to focus on. For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. I wish you'd underline that in your Bible. For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. So in my heart, the way I think is that I'm 6'5", 280 pounds. <laughs> That's the way I th- amen. That's the way I think in my heart. It might not be reality. But the way you think really directs your paths in this life, right? So if you're always thinking negatively, if you're always thinking down, if you're always thinking your worth, if you never think you can overcome, chances are you won't because you're already defeated in your mind. Whatever you put in your brain is what's going to come out. It's like a computer. Garbage in and garbage out. Whatever you feed your mind, whatever you think about is going to come out in your life. The way you think determines how you feel. And the way you feel determines how you act. So he says, if you want to change your life, you need to change what you're thinking about. What are you putting inside of yourself? You know, one of the things that uh, my family and I do now, we, we have young kids, so I'm always really mindful of what they're watching on television, what they're listening to on the radio, what they're watching on their iPad and Netflix, what's happening at school. And the reason I do that is because I don't want their minds to be polluted by all the garbage in the world. That's why. So one of the things that we do now, which is a favorite pastime of ours, is we listen, you know, I do music, I do, listen to this, Christian hip-hop, right? So we listen to Christian radio stations in the car, and these music that we're listening to really talks about Jesus. We watch Christian uh, movies at home to fill their minds with Jesus and love and of thanksgiving, right? We don't want garbage inside of there, because if garbage is inside, it's going to come outside. So we've got to watch what we're putting in our minds, right? And watch what we're thinking. Because if we take care of this, naturally it would be okay when it comes to our actions. And I would say with this text, you've got to learn how to think about the right things. Focus on the positive things and God's word. We always tend to think about the negative. I, don't, I can't get past this. This is hard. I can't overcome this. But think about the positive. I'm thankful to be alive today. I'm thankful that I even have a job, even though I don't like my boss and they're always on my case. I'm thankful that I even have a job. I'm thankful that I have good health. And when you learn to think in those terms, God can do some amazing things. You know, what I often think about is, uh, how come some people react to one stimuli in two different ways? You see, you can have two people and put them in the same circumstance and one of them is is blown away and about to fall apart and can't take it anymore and then the other person handles the problems with no problems 
and their feathers aren't even, aren't even ruffled. They can handle it. And obviously, it's because of their response, right? It's how they view and think about things. It's your choice to figure out what you want to do with your stress. And I want to really leave you with this last example because I think it's a really good one. If you would, go to this next picture and see if you guys can recognize this picture. It might not come in that clear, but this is an artistic depiction of the man Job, right? And you guys know the story of Job. I don't even have to tell it to you. Just this picture says so much. Job is sitting on the ground, and he has a broken piece of pottery, and we see the open wounds on his flesh, and then we see his wife with her finger up. And fellas, we know what that means, amen, don't we? We know (laughs) what that means, right? And he's in this place, and I love his response. But before we get to this text, let's just tell the story. You guys can tell it with me. We know Job loved God. If you read the King James Version, it said he was an upright man and eschewed evil. He stayed away from it. God was really pleased with this man and his service. He had everything, but then over the course of a tragic events, he lost everything. He got to the point where he was scraping his sores with a broken piece of pottery while his wife was telling him to curse God and die. But what I love about this is in the midst of his trials... In the midst of all of this, he decided to rely on God instead of trying to handle things by himself in the natural. He was able to find a place of security and thankfulness in the most difficult and darkest times of his life. And that's why I like this next passage of scripture, if you go to this one, um, and what he says here. Next slide, please. Job 13, 14, and 15. Why do I put myself in jeopardy? And take my life in my hands. Just think about that. Just think about that for a moment. Why why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though he slay me, look at this. Yet I will hope in him. I'll surely defend my ways to his face. I love this text. Because oftentimes in the midst of difficulties, and we heard stories this morning during Bible class, when we're in tough times, we try to figure it out ourselves, how to get through, how to overcome. We get frustrated. It gets hard. But here Job says, you know what? I'm going to put trust in him in this dark time, this difficult circumstance, and I'm going to let God handle it for me. And you guys know what happened to Job Job at the end of the story, right? He ended up receiving 10 times more than what he had because of his faithfulness and allowing God to work and because of the attitude that he was able eventually uh, to have. So all I'm trying to say to you this morning, church, is that in the seasons of difficulties in our lives, if we can learn to have an attitude of gratitude, God will really help us through those dark and difficult times this morning. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe everybody is fine here this morning. Every, no problems at all. You know, everybody's just doing well. But maybe there's somebody here that's really going through it right now. And you just don't understand why and you can't figure out how. All I would say is, God's there. Take one day at a time. Think positively. Trust in God and watch what he will do. And if you can do that, you can get through any difficult, dark time that you're facing. So this morning, I hope and pray that in the midst of your difficulties and trials, that you have an attitude of gratitude because you know that God is on the throne. So this morning, uh, we have a song of invitation selected. Jarek is 
picked this out a song this morning. And if there is anyone here this morning that might be struggling through something, going through a, a rough patch, uh, you have a lot of help here. 